Welcome to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast. My name is Talea Dindi. I'm an 11-year cancer thriver, cancer doula, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. Gaps between the guidance, emotional support, and education that are needed and what one receives can be huge. This podcast fills those gaps by sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who are thriving on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complimentary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Disclaimer, the purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. The podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professionals and is not intended for the use in the diagnosis or treatment of individual conditions. Guests who speak in a podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conditions conclusions. Neither Talea Dendi, Navigating Cancer Together, On the Other Side LC, nor any of its affiliates endorses, supports, or opposes any treatment option or other matter discussed in a podcast. The mention of any product, service, organization, activity, or therapy on a podcast should not be construed as an endorsement. Hello, everyone. This is Talea Dendi from OnTheOtherSide.life, and you're listening to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast, the show that has something for everyone facing cancer. Why? Because everyone is different with different needs, beliefs, and perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. I encourage you to open your minds and your hearts. Today, our special guest is Griselle Scarantino. Griselle is a career and life coach specializing in helping seasoned professionals find satisfaction and fulfillment in their career. She is an appendix cancer survivor with a passion for achieving that elusive yet attainable work-life balance that so many of us are searching for. She is a certified professional who has dedicated her life to supporting people, having spent time working as a behavioral health therapist, work cultural consultant, and career coaching with a big smile on her face and an open heart. Grizzle comes to us today from sunny Tampa, Florida, and is here to share her story of hope and resilience with you. Grizzle, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Talaya. It's my pleasure. I so look forward to you sharing your story. We don't often hear very much about appendix cancer, so I know that the audience will get a lot from what you have to say today. So thank you. Please start by explaining how you learned that you had appendix cancer. It was something that really just came out of the blue for me. I had just gotten married and I had (laughs) combined my birthday and my honeymoon and went to Europe, which was a bucket list trip for me. (laughs) We spent a couple of weeks in Europe and it was just beautiful. And about three weeks after we returned from that trip, one night I was just in pain and that pain was increasing. Then I became nauseated and I just ended up 
having to go back and forth into the bathroom. And I thought maybe it was something I ate. I really was convinced that it was food poisoning. Yes. I ended up using the telehealth service and called a doctor to just talk about it and see what I could do. And the doctor said, you know what? You have abdominal pain. You're vomiting. You really need to go to the emergency room. And that was something that I wanted to avoid at all costs. Right. But I said, okay. And I thought, you know what? I don't need to go to the emergency room. And I just waited, but it continued getting worse. So I ended up having to go. And (laughs) I thought that the pain, I felt the pain was more towards the top of my belly. So I went and got x-rays and all of that. And the doctor comes back and he said, you know what? The problem is that you have appendicitis. And I said, no, but my appendix is down here and my pain is up here. And he said, your pain is coming from down here. And when he pushed on that area where my appendix was, I jumped out of that bed. He said, yeah, what you're feeling is pain that's coming from your appendix and it feels like it's somewhere else, but it's appendicitis and we need to take out your appendix immediately. I was like, okay, I've had a lot of surgeries. I've had a lot of issues in my abdominal area and I know that I don't recover well from surgery. So I reluctantly, I had no choice to remove that appendix. It ended up being an open surgery because of all my scar tissue and all that in my abdomen. They couldn't remove it laparoscopically. So anyway, when I go back to my doctor two weeks later, to have the staples removed, he tells me that it's common practice when someone comes in with appendicitis and they remove the appendix, that they send the appendix to the laboratory for examination. And my results came back unfavorable. When he said that, I was in no way, shape or form expecting what was about to come out of his mouth. But I said, okay, what is it? And he said, you have cancer, you have appendix cancer. It's a rare cancer. It's called goblet cell carcinoid, blah, blah, blah. I didn't hear anything that he said, except we have to take you right back into the operating room immediately to remove your ascending colon in hopes of saving your life. Hmm. I heard that part. The saving (laughs) your life part. (laughs) The the main thing that I heard was, I have to go back into surgery. Oh my gosh. Is my least favorite thing of all. Everything got blurry to me. I said, wait a minute, I have to go back to surgery? Like when? He said, tomorrow, if we can, immediately to keep this thing from spreading. And I said, wait a minute. That's when kind of everything started coming back into focus for me. I said, wait a minute, are you telling me that I have cancer? And he said, yes. And when he told me that, I didn't know what to I thought that meant that I was going to die immediately. And that's how I found out. Wow. After all of those beautiful memories and moments that you had previously created, and then you get this news, that had to feel like a big blow. What were some of the things that were going through your mind at that time, Grizel? Of course, you didn't want to do more surgery, fear. What else were some of the things that you were thinking? It's interesting that you asked me that because the main thing that I thought about was all of the things that I haven't done yet in my life. I had just turned 40. I had just taken this amazing trip. I had just married the love of my life. I was on top of the world in my personal life. And I was essentially looking at the end of my line. And the first thing that came into my mind and that haunted me were all of the things that I haven't done yet that were going to be left undone. 
It's so interesting, Grizel, that you say that because for me, it was the same thing. It was like my life flashed right in front of my eyes and there was this immediate sense of urgency to really get a hold of this thing and get over this thing because, hey, I have so much to do. The other thing that I just thought about, Grizel, was we're newly married. How did your new husband respond to this news? Because that was a follow-up appointment to remove my staples from surgery. My mom drove me to that appointment. I was with my mom, okay, which broke my heart because I thought, how am I going to deliver this news to her? She's sitting in the waiting room, not expecting news like this, just like me. I wasn't expecting that. She was very supportive. She handled it well. My husband was at work. And what she did was she called him when we got home because she drove me to that appointment. When we got home, she called him and she said, listen, we're going to need you to come home early today. Griselle needs you. And he didn't ask any questions. He came home. I told him, tried to lead him up to the story. This is what happened. I went there, then this, then that, and this is what the doctor told me. And he just was calm, but he immediately started Mm. crying. Yeah. And he just said, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. And he was throughout the entire process because it was a long process from there. He was so incredibly supportive and he communicated to everyone have a big circle of people that love me and care about me. And the feeling of course is mutual. He did such a great job keeping everyone informed and listening to my needs and just being my advocate. He was amazing. That's so important to have that level of support in your corner going through a tough time. And then also, Griselle, you mentioned advocate, being your own best advocate, but then also having someone else who can step in when you're not feeling your best, that can really take the lead on that and making sure you get what you need. So I really love that. And I'm glad that you had that support. It was crucial. Yeah, so important. Grizel, when you completed treatment or you were close to completing treatment, did you receive a survivorship care plan? And if you did, how has it helped you? And if you have not received one, is this the first time you're hearing of it? This is the first time that I'm hearing of that. I did not receive that plan. Okay. What is that? I'm happy to share that with you. And that's why I'm asking this question, because what I'm finding is that a lot of people don't receive a survivorship care plan. So a survivorship care plan is basically a summary of the treatment and the type of cancer that the type of cancer that you had and type of treatment that you've received. That survivorship care plan also keeps you informed about appointments that you need to have in three months, six months, a year. Then it also touches on potential latent or long-term side effects of the treatment that you've received. So for example, in my case, based on the type of treatment that I received, I could develop diabetes. I could develop heart conditions. So that helps me to keep an eye on things and stay ahead of things. It also tells you different things that you can do to keep yourself at your best health so to speak. So keeping you on top of your appointments, summarizing the type of cancer that you had in the treatment, latent side effects, things to look out for. It's very crucial that people have this. I'm so grateful because in 2011, I was given a survivorship care plan. And it's very disappointing 
disappointing that in 2022, there's still a lot of people that don't know what that is. Mm. And you can take this with you. Even if you go see a new doctor, have that scanned into your medical records. So if something happens to you and you're not able to speak for yourself, whatever, this is part of your medical history. They can look up and see, okay, we noticed this about Grizel and her health. Instead of them trying to figure out what happened, what caused this, they can say, oh, she had cancer treatment. This type of treatment is known to cause this kind of side effect. So just having that guide can make a world of difference. Yes. So that's what a survivorship care plan is. That would have been helpful because when you're going through a situation like that with cancer, there are so many thoughts, feelings, emotions that happen, right? And it becomes really difficult to hear everything that the doctor's saying, to process that information, to remember what they're saying. I took a notebook with me to every one of my appointments and I took my husband as yes, well. And great. he, t we both had a notebook. We both took notes. And then afterwards we'd come together and digest the information together. But it, it, a lot of times it felt like we were trying to figure things out on our own. And we were really focused on asking the right questions when we went to the doctor's appointment so that we could better understand. Because if you don't have very much experience with cancer and they're using these right. words, <laughs> you don't understand what half of that means. And it's so much on top of the emotional effect. It's so much that you don't even know what questions to ask to That's clarify. Right. That's right. And so a plan like what you're talking about is a very helpful thing that it should become part of their common practice. Standard. Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm finding, Grizel, is that a lot of people, they're like, what is that? I've never heard of that. So again, I'm just grateful that I had an oncologist that was doing that back in 2011. And I'm very focused on bringing this up because what a lot of people that, of course, haven't had to experience cancer, what they don't realize is that it's not over just because the treatment's done. You're entering into a new phase and a different phase, but it's not done. So having something like that can just help you to better stay on top of your health. It will give you things to look out for. If you're having breathing problems, okay, let me go get that checked out because it might be a side effect of the treatment that I received. Those are things that you just want to know about. And having all that documented, it can really be a lifesaver. So yeah. I'm not sure why a lot of hospitals and clinics are not doing this still today, but that's one thing that I'm very passionate about is because I'm hearing more and more that people are just not getting that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to switch gears a little bit, Rizelle, and acts about appendix cancer a little bit more. We don't hear about it a lot. And as you mentioned earlier, it is fairly rare. Where did you go to get credible information about the type of cancer you had? And are there any resources that you recommend? <laughs> oh, what I did first was I started trying to get my hands on any kind of research that I could online. There was very little that I was able to find and reading through that was like reading a foreign language. So then what I did was I started searching for hashtags on social media to find other people that had some form of appendix cancer. And I found a small handful of them that did. And in my conversation, 
conversations with them, I was pointed into the direction of a Facebook group, which really has been the best source of information for me. It's called P Appendix Cancer Support Group or something like that. PMP Appendix Cancer Support Group. That group is filled with people who are currently going through some form of appendix cancer, have survived it, or caregivers, okay? And in there, people of all kinds of different professions, there are lawyers, there are nurses that are themselves somehow affected by appendix cancer, right? And so what happens is that group is very interactive. They're all very engaged. So you can post a question up there, And the group does everything to answer that question in a way that is understandable. So like a T3 tumor, for example, what the heck is a T3 tumor? (laughs) (laughs) And you can pose the question and not only will they answer the question, but they will, wherever possible, they'll add supporting links to say, this is where I got that information from. This is where, this is what really helped me when I was trying to understand what was happening, what my diagnosis, clear margins or affected margins. But you don't know what that means. This is what that means here. Click this link and check this out. But basically here's the translation of what it is. So Being involved in that group, earlier I mentioned that we were trying to figure out what kind of questions to ask the doctor. Being part of that group really helped to determine the questions that we needed to ask to find out specifically what was happening with me and Mm -hmm. how to translate the information that was on the reports about my scans and about my blood work and about my lymph nodes and all of that. It really was a godsend. It was a godsend. And the other thing that was really wonderful about this group, or is, I'm still part of that group, is when someone is going through a particularly tough time, or if they got a negative result on their test or what have you, the group is so immensely supportive emotionally. So that really has been, of all of the things, all the places where I tried to find information, group was really the best. You know, Griselle, it's interesting that you say that because I hear that more. And a lot of people, they do. They go to social media. They go to, of course, Google. But I'm finding that social media is where a lot of people are getting their information and they feel like that information has been incredibly helpful to them. So I'm happy that you were able to find some information, credible information and a very supportive group. Me too. Grizel, how did your experience with cancer translate to the work that you're doing now? Well, I mentioned earlier when I was sharing my story, when I got my diagnosis, that I was on top of the world in my personal life. What I didn't say is that I was in an extremely frustrating situation in my professional life. I was doing work that I love to do but I wasn't doing it in an environment that was suiting me. I wasn't working with leadership that were particularly suited to be in a leadership role. The environment was, for all intents and purposes, a toxic environment. And the work that I was doing was around helping organizations have a healthy work culture. Interestingly enough, my own team was not a healthy team. Anyway, part of that work involved 
career development, supporting people in their career development. And that's work that I've done ever since graduate school, since 2005. I always knew that what felt right for me was to have my own business. But for whatever reason, I didn't start my own business until later. I actually started that business while I was working in that job. And when I learned about my diagnosis and I was thinking about all of the things that I had left undone. Of course, my mind went to trips and places of the world that I haven't been to, but it also went directly to, I could have been working my own business. I could have been doing what I do best in the way that I do it the best and helping exactly the kind of people that I can best help. When I was recovering from surgery, it took me nine months to recover, if you can believe that. When I was recovering from surgery, I had a lot of time to think. And I made a commitment to myself that if I made it out of the woods, I was going to reprioritize the things that are important in my life. And one of those is my satisfaction at work. Part of my job is to help people improve the satisfaction of their professional life. I needed to shift that focus to myself now. So I did when I recovered. I put all of the pieces in place and I left my corporate job and I started my own business. And now I'm a career coach. There are many career coaches out there and they focus on helping people create a resume, get prepared for interviews and that kind of thing. And I do that as well. But my central focus of my career coaching is enhancing your level of work satisfaction and creating a work-life balance. That's so important because you're working so hard to support your life. But what is happening if you don't leave the energy, the time and the space to enjoy the life that you're working so hard to support? I love that, Grizel. That balance is so important because like you said, you work so hard for this goal, this dream job, and your personal life can suffer because of that. And then in the process of you know, the stress and things like that, you could be making yourself sick. So I really love that you transitioned yourself out of that toxic work environment. I can definitely relate to that. When you get that diagnosis, and like you said, you have that downtime, you have that time to really think about what's important to you. It's like a light bulb goes off and you're like, why am I doing this? Let me get on the right track here. Let me put my priorities first. When you're facing cancer, for me, it was like, what's the worst that can happen? I really understand you saying, hey, it's time for a change. This isn't what I really want to be doing, or this isn't the environment I want to be in. And I want to applaud you for that because that is scary in itself. It is. But I I think what gave me the courage to step off, step out of the nest and out on my own is that I know I have the trust and confidence in myself. I knew I had my expectations were in the right place. I knew that I was going to be faced with some barriers and some challenges, but I also knew what I wanted for my life. Yes. And because I knew what I wanted for my life, That gave me the strength, the courage, the resilience to overcome those barriers. And I had the confidence to know that, yeah, there are going to be things that I don't know, but I'm going to learn them. We'll learn those things. And I'm going to keep moving forward because life is precious and we only get one shot at it. So it's up to me to make my life what I want it to be. And I'm not going to stop at some challenges that get thrown my way as long as 
my body is working, as long as I have breath in me, I'm going to prioritize what's really important in my life. And I'm going to mold my professional life around that. It was really important for me to put myself in a situation where I could be the authentic me and not have to shape shift or morph because I was in a corporate politics or any of that. It was really important for me to just be me. And anyway, because I was so in touch with what I wanted for my life, there was that level of fear and the anxiety and all that. What if it doesn't work? Mm -hmm. But my focus was staunchly on, yeah, I don't, maybe I don't know everything. Not yet. I don't know Mm -hmm. everything yet, but I will. And I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and make this work. It was a bumpy road at the beginning. It is. Yeah. It's something new. It was, yep, it was bumpy. But now I found my groove. I know who I want to work with, who Mm -hmm. I can best serve. And my clients are doing amazing things. They're making such important changes in their life where now they are on that journey or they've been on that journey where I was on, where I was in an environment that was not, it was negatively affecting other areas of my life, not only my personal life, but my health. My ability to get restful sleep, my ability to relax so that I could be present in the moment and bring my best self. They all come to me because they're in a situation that they know a professional situation that is not serving them anymore. And they see how it's affecting the rest of their life. But they also recognize, you know what, I have the ability to make some changes in my professional life so that those positive effects will spill over into the rest of my life. So how did my experience with cancer affect what I'm doing now? It just gave me the clarity to prioritize how much of an important role our professional life plays in the rest of our life and in our health. Thank you for sharing that, Griselle. And you're right, there is that connection. And a lot of people are not aware of it, or they just haven't had the time to slow down and really pay attention to it. But there is a strong connection there. You just mentioned changes. What important changes do you recommend people make in their lives when they come out on the other side of cancer and survive it? Oh, number one, when you come out on the other side of cancer and you survive, you get a second chance at life. And that's your chance to make some changes, some big changes, some maybe are small tweaks. What those changes are depends on what you see happening in your life and what is getting in the way of you being able to have the best possible life experience. So Is it things like the people that you're spending your time with? There are different types of people in our life, right? There are the people that support us, that have qualities that we aspire to have for ourselves, that bring out the best in us. There are those people in our life. And then there are the people in our life that they are energy, right? Like those, I call them energy vampires. (laughs) They're just, just not... They require a lot of your time and energy and they don't necessarily give back. It's not necessarily a symbiotic relationship. So one important change that I saw when I went on the other side was who am I spending my time and energy with? Those people that support me and, you know, those people that have qualities that I aspire to have, I'm taking them for granted. I really need to shift my energy towards them because they're the ones that bring a certain sparkle to our life. When they bring out the best in us and we're able to bring our best self to the world, everything about us 
changes and people influence that. Let me get reacquainted with who those people are and let me shift my energy and attention to them. That's one big change that I see. Another big change is what you're putting into your body. Important. I'm a foodie. I love food. I love everything, you know, about food. (laughs) And so naturally I'm interested in food. I consider myself a home chef and I wasn't really paying that much attention to how I was nourishing my body. So one big change that I made, I started doing a lot of research and everything about how different vitamins, minerals, and nutrients and different foods, how they cleanse your liver, for example, your liver, your kidneys, which are the filtration system Mm -hmm. of your body. What can I do to better support my liver and my kidneys? Because we have an air conditioner. We all have an air conditioner in our house, right? Most of us do. And we have that filter in the air conditioner that filters out all of the debris and stuff from the air to push it back out. That's what our liver and our kidneys do. We change out our air filter periodically Mm -hmm. in the air conditioner. We cannot change out very easily our liver or our kidneys and they do the same job. And I thought about that and I thought, okay, what do I need to do to clear those things out? And what foods do I need to eat that supports their health. To me, that's that's central. So I started looking at food and what I was doing. One little ritual that I started for myself was I started drinking green tea in the morning before I ate or drank anything else. I make a pot of green tea and that's what I do. It's just another way of bringing phyto micronutrients into my body. So I think paying attention to what we're feeding our bodies. The other thing is our stress level. Stress affects so much of our physical and emotional health. And for me, I noticed that stress triggers inflammation, an inflammatory response in my body. And of all of the medical ailments that I've had, because Lord knows I've had a lot of them, inflammation is a root cause of them. Okay, so now let's take a look at what I'm doing that's triggering inflammation and what can I do to manage that? Well, stress, that's why I'm so passionate about the kind of work that I do, because work can either be great or it can be okay, or it can be super stressful. So true. Grizel, you just covered a lot of great topics. Thank you so much for sharing that. All very important topics and changes to consider when you get on the other side of cancer. Grizel, you also have a podcast called Career Coach Central Podcast. Please tell us more about it and what people can gain from listening to it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, that is a brand new podcast that I just started, Career Coach Central with Career Coach Grizz. And it's just a place for me to speak candidly about everything career related. It is a place for me to give tips. So I can write tips on social media or in my different places or in my newsletter, I can write tips or I can speak on them. And a podcast is just another way to be helpful for people and just give them information that's going to be helpful for them in their career journey. So like I mentioned, it's new at this point, there are only a few episodes out there, but I'm trying to keep a cadence of every other week. So if there's anything happening in your professional life, if you're listening to this podcast or something might be happening in your professional life and you want to listen in on a podcast that is focused on work satisfaction and achieving a work-life balance, then give it a listen. I highly recommend it. I checked out the episodes that Grizel has released. Very helpful, very informative. So if you are looking for a new podcast to listen to, check out Career Coach Central Podcast, and it is on major podcast platforms. 
If people want to connect with you, if they want to talk more about making a change in their professional life, how can they find you? I am on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, on LinkedIn. My handle for Facebook and Instagram is at Career Coach Grizz. On LinkedIn, I'm Griselle Scarantino, M-A-O-D-P-C. But probably the easiest way to find me is just to head over to my website. It's www.griselscarantino.com. And there you can read a little bit more about me and the services that I offer, how I help people. There's a button there where you can schedule a free consultation. So if you ever want to connect with me, I offer free consultations. They're on Zoom and we can chat about your personal experience. Great, Grizel. Thank you so much for sharing that. I will include all of that information in the listen notes so people who are interested can easily find and connect with Grizel. Before we wrap up, I like to ask my guests two questions. The first one is, what do people often misunderstand about you? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough question. <laughs> it's a tough question. I will say, especially since we're talking about my cancer journey, I'm the kind of person that people come to for help. My friends, my family, just everybody around me, when you get to know me, it becomes very clear to people that I'm a helper and that I care very deeply about helping and doing whatever I can to help. And what happened when I was diagnosed with cancer is that it flipped the script and People didn't know what to do because all of a sudden now I'm in a position where I need help and I need support. That was a little bit different than how they're used to interacting with me. To answer your question, what one thing that's misunderstood about me, and if you're listening to this, I'm going to say this to you. If you have people in your life that are your go-to people for help and support, they might have the same thing in common with me that's often misunderstood about me is that sometimes I need help and support in return. I need that sometimes. And you're a person that's used to helping other people. And that's just a core component of who you are. It sometimes doesn't occur to me to ask for help. So I think that's one thing that is misunderstood about me sometimes is I don't know if misunderstood is the right way to say it, but just something that people don't always think about. And mm -hmm. I was really fortunate because when I was going through this experience, Talia, and my husband was communicating with people, there was an utter outpouring of support from everyone. I was getting calls, text messages. I was getting gifts in the mm. mail from so many people. I was getting cards all the time. People were checking on me. They told me they were praying for me. They were putting positive vibes out into the universe. You know what? That support really, because it was such a scary and dark time in my life when I was recovering and I didn't know, was I going to make it? Was I not going to make it? I didn't know. But the support that I got from the people in my life is really what helped me to make it through. I can't really describe how important that was for me. Thank you, Grizel, for sharing that. I totally understand what you're talking about because when you're in that position where you're always the helper, you're always the one that shows up for other people. I think sometimes people may see you as like this superhero or something. They don't yes. expect you to need help. And it's not that they're being mean or anything like that. It's just that they just see you as this person who always has it together, who always has the answers, who always shows up for other people. And I think they just don't stop and think, oh, they may need help too. Thank you for bringing that up. 
Grizel, the final question is, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Well, I have a quick answer to that question. For <laughs> me, it would be the Pacific Northwest. Oh, okay. The Pacific Northwest in the Washington state area, Oregon, or even Vancouver Island. Nice. I love the wood. I'm a nature person. I love the woods. I love the water. When I have been there, I felt like that's where my body and my soul belonged. It's beautiful in the Pacific Northwest. I understand that answer. Grizel, it has been a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story and all the wonderful work that you're doing to support other people and help them find that professional groove that they're looking for in their life. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you, Talia. It's my pleasure, Grizel. Before we end today, I would like to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, follow, or subscribe so that you can easily find my podcast and listen again. That is it for this Wednesday. Until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Cancer Together. I hope you enjoyed it. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you enjoyed the show, please share or tell your friends and family about it. For notes from the show and previous episodes, visit ontheotherside.life and check out the podcast section. I would love it if you joined us for the next episode. Talk to you soon.